good morning. Welcome this morning. It's good to see y'all here. Okay, I can I can feel the spirit moving. Mr. Tory's here. Mr. Neal's closing the doors. So how many of you, when you walked in this morning, you were thinking to yourself, goodness. You probably can't see you out in the internet world, but in the internet kingdom, but we uh, have kind of a different format this morning, but got us all filled with curiosity. Amen? It's a good curiosity, you know? Brings us all together. We have, we all have one thing in common right now. We don't know what's going to happen. Right? <laughs> all right, well, let's uh, say our call to worship together this morning. If you could, stand, and we'll recite it together if you could. It comes from Psalm 28. Psalm number 28, verse 8 through 9. This is a good one. Just uh, let this be on your heart this morning. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. You know who his heritage is, right? We are his heritage.
Yes. 
from the book of John when Jesus led the blind man out. Jesus touched it one time and he barely saw. But then Jesus touched him again. Come on. And his vision became yes. clear. Somebody say, Lord, touch me again. Touch me again. That's what we want this morning, Lord Jesus. Some of us are here, God, because of our vision, his brewery. Lord God, we need a touch from you again in this place, God. We need to experience revival in this place this morning, God. God, we ask you to move by your spirit this morning, God. Let the spirit of compassion fall upon the pastor, God. Let the spirit of compassion fall upon the innocence of God. Let the spirit of compassion fall upon the congregation this morning, God. We're asking you to breathe on us again, Father God. And forgive us of our sins, God. Forgive us of our trespassing, God. Forgive our debts, Father God. And we forgive those who sinned against us, God. We're asking you to touch us again, Father God. Touch us in the place where we've been wounded, Father God. Touch us in the place where we have been weakened, Father God. Touch us in the place where we have been discouraged, Father God. Loose our minds from the power of the enemy, Father God. Loose our thoughts from the power of the wicked one, Father God. Let your word fall on good ground this morning, Father God. Let not it be snatched away by the enemy, Father God. We're believing you for a miracle this morning, God. We're believing you for a breakthrough this morning, Father God. I'm believing you for a transition this morning, Father God. People are believing you for healing this morning, God. Some believe you for new jobs, God. Some believe you for new opportunities, God. Whatever it is that we're believing you for, God, we're asking you to touch us again, God. Touch that, Father God, which has been discouraging us, God. Touch that which has been causing us to be blind, God. Touch that, God, which has been causing us to lose sight, God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask your presence to be in the midst of us, God. We ask your Holy Spirit spirit to be upon us today, God. Lead us, Father God, by the right way, Father God. Lead us down the righteous paths, Father God. We're thanking you right now in advance, Father God. We know that your presence is here, God. We know where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty, God. We know where the spirit of the Lord is. There is praise, God. We know where the spirit of the Lord is. There is worship, God. And we are not here, God, because we are dead, God. We are here to give you praise, God. We are here to acknowledge you, God, and say, God, you are all that, Father God. There's nothing that we are going through, God, that you can't handle, God. There's nothing that we are fighting that you can't deal with, God. We know that you are going to break yokes this morning, God. You are going to break generational curses this morning, God. You are going to heal the lame man, God. You are going to heal the sick, Father God, through the hearing of your word, God. I feel the power of your spirit working in our minds, God. I feel the power of your spirit working in our hearts, God. And we give you the praise this morning, God. We honor you, God. And we say, thank you, Lord Jesus. We say, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for touching us again. Let the church shout amen this morning. Amen. church, that is who he is. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. Y'all can be seen. 
Well, we started last week talking about strongholds and this concept of, of a stronghold. And we used the, the working definition that a stronghold is a mindset impregnated by hopelessness that causes us to accept as unchangeable things that we know are contrary to the will of God. That is a stronghold of the enemy in your mind. We talked about the devil's desire to attack your thinking. Because if he can get your mind, he's got all of you. And so the enemy comes at us and he combats us with lies. And we talked about the, the three ways he uses to manipulate us last week. Deception and illusion and accusation. And in truth, all three of those are just lies. Right? They're all just lies. That's what it really boils down to. It's something presenting itself as truth when it isn't. Um, but those are three, three ways that he came at Eve, and it's three ways that he comes at us with deception and illusion and accusation. This morning, we're going to start the conversation about what do we do when we realize there's a stronghold in our life. And I know you guys are wondering why we're sitting like this, and we'll get there. Um, <laughs> we'll get there, I promise. Um, we're going to spend the next few weeks together talking about tearing down a stronghold. When, when we think of strongholds in our day, um, in our time, what do you guys think of when you think of a stronghold? Just the word stronghold, what does that mean to you? What kind of image do you conjure up in your mind of a stronghold? Chains? Pushing down, stronghold, keeping you down. Anybody else? What? Fortress. A fortress. A castle, right? I like. I get this medieval stone castle in my head. <laughs> that's what I have. The actual word stronghold. That's literally where it came from. It was the innermost part of a castle, and it was the strongest part of the building. And if that, if they were under attack, that's where the Lord would be. And all the fighters would be on the exterior walls, and all the people in the court. But the most important person in the building, he was going to be in the stronghold, the innermost room, the most defended part okay, okay? so <clears throat> what I want us to, to kind of get in our head as we move through this process I want you to see this this tearing down of a stronghold like sieging a castle all right like like sieging a castle like like going after an, a fortified position and so there are a few steps that we see historically that armies have used to bring down a fortified city and so each week for the next few weeks we're going to talk about a couple of those those things that we have to do to attack a fortified position. The first thing that you have to do when you go after a stronghold, the first step in sieging a stronghold is to soften up the enemy. You want to make the people inside weaker than the people outside. Uh, and so this week we're going to talk about softening up the enemy. There are a couple methods used to soften up the enemy within a fortress. Okay, they're already in the defended position. Right? The fortress... The stronghold is the defended position. So they're already in a position of power just by being in the stronghold. So the army on the outside is at a disadvantage when they walk up. Correct? And we see this all the time. So if we're going to attack a stronghold, we have to understand that when we start this battle, we're at the disadvantage. There is a fortified position there, and it is strong. But we can weaken it. We can weaken it with the help of the Lord. It doesn't have to remain strong. The first step in sieging a fortress is to make the people inside weaker than me. We have to soften up that enemy. 
So the most common tactic to begin a siege is starvation. Uh, starvation is the first step. The people that are inside are now stuck inside because there's an army outside, right? And so what do you do? You cut off their resources. You let no one in and no one out. And sooner than later, they run out of food. It's very rare that a position is fortified well, that a fortified position is stocked well enough that they can survive a long siege. And so you cut off any supplies. Eventually, they're going to run out. They're going to have trouble getting water. They're going to have trouble finding food. They're going to have trouble taking care of all these people that have now sealed themselves inside. And so the first step in sieging a castle is starvation. The enemy needs to be starved out. How do we do this spiritually? How do we do this spiritually? How do we go after a spiritual stronghold with starvation? Well, it's very simple. Anybody watch the Disney movie? I can't remember what it's called. What is that movie? Uh, oh, I can't remember. What's it about? Little girl that like, goes to a fantasy land. Like it's not a cartoon. It's a live movie. It's like I can't even remember. It doesn't matter. But anyway, her her yeah, it's like it's like it's like another dimension or something. Anyway, where they have like super advanced technology. I can't remember it. Anyway, it doesn't even matter. Her dad tells her the story all the time, and he says there are two wolves fighting. Which one wins? The one you feed. Right? What do you feed? If, if we were to take my lovely wife and put her in a sumo wrestling competition, she would probably not win. Right? We might all be entertained, but she probably wouldn't win. Right? But what if this were the case? What if we had my wife fight the same sumo wrestler every single day for a year? We fed her three meals a day and him none. How long do you think it would take before she overpowered him? Not long. Not long. Not long. The human body survives without food about a month. You get two and a half, three weeks in, this person hasn't eaten, they're going to be considerably weakened. Which wolf wins? The one you feed. Spiritually, if we have a stronghold that seems impregnable, if it's already a defended position and we come at it from a disadvantage, we have to start starving that thing. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 18. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. Now, I don't know if he literally meant to cut it off and throw it away, but he might have. It's a powerful metaphor, but I think he might have meant it. What does he say? It's, it's better for you to go maimed or crippled to heaven than to burn in hell and have all your feet. I think he meant it. Whatever is in the way between you and the Lord, it has to go. It's got to be cut off. It has to be starved out. And when we have these mindsets of hopelessness, there are things feeding that mindset, that illusion, that accusation, the lie of the enemy. It's constantly feeding that 
perception that things are hopeless, that you can't get out, that you're stuck in the way things are. It's constantly being fed, and you have to starve that mindset out. If something causes you to stumble, notice he doesn't say it causes you to sin. It doesn't cause you to trip up. If it catches you in a trap, it's got to go. It's got to go. you got to cut it off. It doesn't matter what it is. If your music causes you to think negative thoughts too much, cut it off. I had a stack of CDs like this high. Hundreds, hundreds of CDs. Most of them were like 90s gangster rap. Because that's what I like. But you know what happened when I listened to all that music? All those words are in my head. And I can't turn them off. My daughter who's about to get married says, well, what are we going to call you and mom when you're grandparents? Like, you're going to call me Big Papa, and everybody's going to raise their hands in the air, right? <laughs> That's what you're going to call me, and I'm going to like it. I can't get it out of my head! And when, you, when you're bombarding yourself with that, you're feeding something. You're feeding a mindset. I had to go. It had to go because it constantly was tripping me up and putting me back into an old mindset of hopelessness that I could not escape from the kind of lifestyle I had built for myself, which was reflected in that music. It had to go. Maybe it's a TV show. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a book series you like or an author. Maybe it's the news. God have mercy, the news. You know, none of it's true anyway, right? It's all propaganda. Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's defending your own position. Maybe it's your right to argue for what's right. Maybe that's the thing that is making you stumble. Maybe it's some old family tradition. Maybe it's a mindset that was forced upon you as a kid. Some prejudice or some bad habit, some twisted view of the world. It's got to go. It's got to go. Because if you keep feeding it, it stays at the advantage. Right. We gotta starve it out. Yeah. We gotta starve it out. The second the second thing that would happen at the beginning of the siege of a castle, after they began the starvation process, was projectiles. This one is fun. <laughs> this one is fun. You build catapults and trebuchets and you just start throwing stuff at it. <laughs> the bigger and the uglier the better. Right? Big rocks. Smash through the walls. They would throw. They would. They would get clay pots and they would fill them with oil, like like a giant Molotov cocktail with with a, a rag hanging with fire. And they throw these pots of oil, and so they'd smash and everything would catch on fire. When it got real nasty, they would let 
pigs and stuff rot until they were diseased and festering, and then they'd throw them into the city so that people would get sick. Whatever it took to weaken that enemy inside, we're going to throw it at them. We're going to throw it at them until, until they're weak enough that we might be able to approach because softening the enemy up is just the first stage. Eventually, we got to get in there and take this thing over. Right? So, if I bombard the walls enough, I push the enemy's defenses back, and then maybe I can approach. One of David's men, we read in Chronicles, is killed because he gets too close to the wall. And a woman in the city happens to see him, and she's grinding wheat. And she takes her millstone that she's grinding on and drops it off the wall onto his head. And David is furious. Why were you that close to the wall? That a woman could just drop a rock on a commander's head and kill him. See, they hadn't softened the enemy up enough. You've got to drive them back. Then you can approach. So projectiles, what does that look like spiritually? I want to read this to you, Psalm 119. It says, May your unfailing love come to me, Lord. Your salvation according to your promise. Then I can answer anyone who taunts me. For I trust in your word. Never take your truth from my mouth. For I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom. For I have sought your precepts. Now, if you notice, I underline the words laws and precepts. Those are different. A law is a regulation set up to govern society with necessary punishments if it's broken. All right? A precept is an idea. It's a concept meant to guide behavior. It's not a law, some punishable offense. It's just an idea that's specifically designed to direct behavior. Okay? So listen to what he says. I can walk about in freedom because I saw it the way you expect me to behave. The mindset that directs my behavior. That's why I can live in freedom. Anybody who wants to taunt me, well, I don't have to worry about that. I have the truth of your word. That's what he says. I can trust in your word. I never take your word of truth out of my mouth. I put hope in the things that you have regulated for me. And I'll always obey those things. And so I get to walk around in freedom because I pay attention to the way you want me to go about my life. This is, this is what we throw at the enemy. We throw the truth. We throw the truth. This next verse is, is very familiar to us. It's, it's in John. And Jesus says this to the Jews who believed in him. Jesus said this. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Now that sentence right there, I could preach an entire sermon series out of that one sentence. If you hold to my teaching, you're my disciples. Dallas Willard, an amazing author, said, those who are actually disciples of Jesus are the ones who trust him enough to actually do what he said. If you don't actually do what he said, you're not really a disciple. Read it. There it is. Bunny trail, not going down it. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. The truth is the thing that destroys the stronghold. 
Because the stronghold is built of what? Lies. What destroys a lie? The truth. Every time. Every time. So what do we throw at the enemy? The truth. We throw the truth at the enemy. And the truth is what guides, is what, what corrects our mindset. It's what gives us these precepts of how we're supposed to live. And if we have the truth, we don't have to worry about what's taunting us. We don't have to worry about who's coming against us. We can live in freedom forever and ever because we're walking according to his precepts. But like we said last week, once you empower the liar by believing the lie, the truth loses its power. The lie has power, not the truth. When you empower the liar by listening to what he has to say. It's, it's a sad reality, but it's one we live every day. We see liars empowered all over our culture. All over our culture. They speak blatant falsehood. But they're given a platform. And, and it doesn't matter what color you are or what side of the aisle you land on or what your socioeconomic position is. It, none of that matters. There are people in every position of life that are given a platform for speaking a lie. And they're raised up because people buy it. But the truth will tear it down every time. That's right. Every time. That's right. The truth always wins. Because the truth is immovable. It's unshakable. Our culture these days likes to tell us there's no such thing as absolute truth. You have your truth. I read a Facebook post not long ago from someone that I love saying some horrendous things about another person that I love. Heinous. Could not be farther from truth. And when someone came to the defense of the innocent, someone else jumps into conversation and says, I can't believe you would insult this person. For expressing their truth. Their truth. As though your truth and my truth are different. No, there's only the truth. The truth. That's it. There's only the truth. Your opinion may be an opinion. And it may be yours. But truth doesn't belong to you. Truth doesn't belong to me. Truth just is. It just is. And we can possess it or we can ignore it, but the truth doesn't change. We have to embrace truth and we have to use it as our weapon against these strongholds that keep our minds stuck in hopelessness. I set us up like this today because I want you to look at each other. I want you to see each other this morning. Because I cannot stand here for 35 minutes a week and give you all the truth you need to combat the lie of the enemy. Not enough. It's not even close. 
it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of what is needed to walk a continuous lifestyle of loving God and loving people. It's not enough. We've got to have each other, church. We've got to have each other. We are in this thing together. We're in it together. And if we are in it together, none of us survive. I was smoking some pork. I did. I sat up all night Friday night smoking. (laughs) And I went out and I opened the grill. And I had my little pile of charcoal over here and some apple wood on it for some good smoke flavor, you know. And it had been burning for a long time. My grill was cooking just right, you know. But I open it up and there are these three little charcoals that have rolled over to the side. They never burned. It had been three hours. They didn't burn. I had to to rebuild my pile because there was just some coals left. But those three over there, they were cold. I literally reached in there with my hand and picked them up and put them back on. You see, if we don't if we don't stay together, we go out real fast. But I grabbed those cold charcoals that had rolled over, and I went to, to drop them on. You know what happened? It burned all the hair off my arm. Because that little pile over here was hot. we got to stay together. And if we roll out for a minute, it gets real easy to get attacked. I want us this morning to do something a little weird. Uh oh, she says. Yeah, well, we already started with something a little weird, right? We're going to finish something weird. Um, we're going to do something weird this morning. I'm going to shut up now. I'm going to bring some microphones out here. And I want you guys to talk this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy already talked he just doesn't know it yet I asked you guys a question last night on Facebook trying to get some feedback to use this morning Ask what are some lies the enemy has used against you that's what I want you to answer this morning is anybody willing this morning to share some lies the enemy has attacked you with? And see, what I want us to do is I want you to say, this is the lie the enemy used against me. And then I want somebody else in the room to come up with a word of truth from the Bible that's going to combat that lie. And I want us to practice that this morning because that's how you get freedom. Amen. The truth sets us free. Amen. And I want us to practice this morning. Hear the enemy's attack and tear it down. we got to do it together. I'm not going to be there all the time. Nick's not going to be there all the time. This crystal's not going to be there all the time, but you might be. When you hear a lie, you've got to confront that lie. And say, wait, hold on. That's a lie of the enemy. Here's what the Word says. And I promise, that's easier to do if you practice. Practice makes perfect, right? So I want us to practice this morning, because this is a safe place. Right? This should be this should be home. This is family. There's no there's no making fools of ourselves in here. We already know we're weird. Right? Can you give us an example? Sure, absolutely. So 
one of the things that was posted on Facebook last night, Leslie posted one of the lies the enemy had told her, you're not good enough to dot, dot, dot. But God says in the word, you can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You don't have to be good enough. He is. There's a lie and a truth, right? That's it. That's not complicated, but it's powerful. Because when the enemy starts to slip that insidious thing into your mind, if somebody can come by, or even yourself, can crack the word and say, wait a minute, I know what God said about this. And it's not what he said about this. If we can combat the lie with the truth, then we soften up the enemy. And we might just tear that thing down. So this morning what I want us to do, I want us to start hurling some projectiles at the devil. You see, some of this congregation said I drive too slow. <laughs> well, I'm going to pass out the microphone. Everybody gets to be on camera today. Everybody smile. Here we go. We'll put one over here. Hmm? We'll put one over here. You guys just pass them around. As need be. So who's up? I'm good. Yeah. Is it on? Yes, it is. When I was an alcoholic, which I have almost 20 years of sobriety. There's that. Um, but the enemy used to tell me that um, I wasn't good enough, uh, I couldn't do this job, or I couldn't be a good wife, I couldn't be a good mother. But let me tell you the scripture that since I graduated with my master's, it's uh, Jeremiah 29:11. The plans that I have for you is to prosper you, right. not to destroy you. Amen. Amen. And I have hung on to that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's it. You don't have to just pass them around. It's just as I mean, we used to do it kind of popcorn style. Uh, anybody? Anybody that's got something to get? Look, uh, I don't know if God has a plan for me or not. Y'all may, y'all may disagree with me on what I'm saying, but really I don't care. But I will say what's on my mind. Uh, I do a lot of things. Yes, I work around here. I cut the grass. I do whatever I need to do. I go to work. I go to school. And that's what I do. But I do a lot of things some of y'all probably don't even approve of. I drink my beer. I uh, I listen to music that a lot of people don't listen to. I listen to R&B music. I listen to I listen to hip hop. I listen to blues. I listen to what I even listen to now. But regardless of what I do, it doesn't make me less of a person. That's right. I do me. And whatever I do, if it's wrong to you, I don't care. But that's between me and God, not between me and man. That's right. 
Right. If anybody look at me different, you're entitled to do that. <laughs> Personally, I really don't care what you do. The lie, the lie that the enemy will use is that everybody else is going to judge me, so I'm not good enough. So these people won't accept me. These people won't love me. I'll never be part of this group. But the truth is that that's between me and the Lord. Right? That's the truth. That's the truth. Man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's the truth. Right? We get caught up on a lot of things that are not important to God. We look at everything that's trivial and shallow. But God is looking much deeper than that. That's the truth. Anybody else? I felt like I had a word for Gary. You need a microphone. It won't be on the video if you don't have one. Okay. I felt like I had a word for you, Gary. Um, that um, walking with the Lord is a process. And um, there's some crisis moments where he takes a lot of big things away. And then it's kind of a slow grind. And then some more crisis moments. And um, I know I, I'm still growing and I'm still learning in the Lord as you are. You're my brother. We're growing together. And there's this verse that I think of all the time when I think about this. And it says this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Sanctify just means set your part for his purpose. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And not, not you're faithful to do it, Gary. Not I'm faithful to do it. But the one who calls you is faithful to do it. The Lord himself, Gary. The Lord himself does the work in you and through you. And he will. He's faithful. He'll do it. I feel like this. Okay, it doesn't matter what church I go to. It doesn't matter who comes and talks to me. If you're going to talk to me, you better speak from your heart. Maybe you think I can't see it. But anybody that's in my presence is just as transparent as water. That's a discerning spirit. It is. I mean, like I said before, I'm not the perfect person in the world. Yes, I make mistakes. We all do. I'm not perfect. I cry. I smile. I talk a little mess. But I do have a heart. Amen. And my heart bleeds right now. And my heart cries right now. But may God have mercy on me when this heart turns, when this heart heart. Because right. mm. I can promise you my life will never be the same. Amen. Mm. Those are my words. Amen. Just wanna uh, <clears throat> I'm just I'm thankful for uh the man I am today mm. because one of the lies the enemy used to tell me that I'd never be able to get off drugs. Right. And I would always be up under his feet. Mm-hmm. But through the power of the word of God, he made my life. And 
one other thing I like to share is that one of the greatest things I like to do, me personally, is be transparent. Transparent with you know people who have struggled and is struggling with any type of substance abuse. Because I feel like those of us who speak out about it that God is using right now, it gives them the hope and, and the vision to see that that God brought you out of it, he can bring them out of it. And so I'm always open about my struggles. And even now, I see if you have struggles. I just went up there and prayed, but that doesn't mean I don't have battles. Right. And so I'm grateful to be used in my battles. Because when someone come and ask me, hey, man, you know, how you do it? I say, by the grace of God. But I'm no different from you. If he use me, he can use, he can use anybody, you know. So I feel like I've been at the bottom of the barrel. So, you know, just want to share a brief touch of my testimony. Once the word said, it works as we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Okay? That's how we overcome. I'm, I'm just I'm going to say I don't really, you know, uh, like Tori was talking there, I guess I have a little different thing because I basically grew up around the Nazarene church. I mean, I was a, uh, uh, this thing we got here, Sister Duan, you know, for her. But okay, but I was one of the kids in her Sunday school class, you know. So a lot of the things like you talking about, say substance abuse, I never had to fight that battle. You know, I it's, and I'm not saying I'm better or anything different than anybody else. I just never had to fight those kind of battles. You know, so yeah, I know. Yes, right. He's the one that says I drive too slow. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've heard so many people with your testimony, Earl. That would say, well, I have a lesser testimony than that person. Oh, I don't have this great story to tell. Yeah, you do. Your great story is that the Lord was faithful to you from the time you were a child until now. And he held you blameless for his coming. He's faithful and he will do it. And you'd be surprised at the time that he talked to you (laughs) almost audibly. Yeah. You know what I mean? There, There was a time... I'm right here in this city, and uh, we uh, we took a big uh, slowdown of, of work, okay? And I did. I had a family and everything. And one night, one night, I I knelt by the bed, and I and this the basic words I said was, "God, you know the future better than I do. I, you know what." almost audible words for Penrod drilling topics. Okay? I got up the next morning and one of my friends that I worked with through the local, he came over and he, he really wanted to sit there and drink coffee and talk. And I told him, I said, Paul, you and my wife can sit here and visit all morning if you want to, but I have somewhere to go. So I drove Penrod drilling office here at that time on Pinhook, and I went in and said I, I wanted to apply for a job as an electrician. And so they said, well, we have to send you to uh, 
exactly what he told me. He said, I can see from your application that if we had problems with a certain thing, he, and he just used trip tanks. He said, uh, I really feel that you can troubleshoot it, but you wouldn't know where to find it. I said, well, you know, you're, you're right. So he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, if, uh, if you take a roustabout job, he said, as soon as you learn your way around, I'll move you up to electrician. And I told him, I said, it would be a shame for me to come down here and you offer that to me and may think that I'm too good to take it. <laughs> so I said, I'll, I'll do that, okay? And just so my story's not too long, you know, that, that job lasted 35 years. <laughs> See? And, and where did it all start? I don't have a great story to tell. <laughs> yeah, you do! Your testimony is powerful. I was in need. I had nowhere to turn. And God told me explicitly explicitly, what was going to provide for my family for the next three decades. That's the truth. Who else wants to kick the devil in the feet this morning? I always want to kick the devil. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> I have another um, lie that the Lord tells me other than one Michael shared. Um, my family, my my parents um, and uh, my siblings don't know the Lord, um, and uh, that's hard. And some of you, I know, understand what I'm talking about, what it's like to look people you love and cherish and know know that they don't know Jesus like you do. Um, and one of the things the enemy tries to get me with is telling me, first, that they will never be saved, um, that there's no hope of reaching them, they're too far gone, their hearts are too hard. And that's where it starts. And I, I've done well in knowing that all can be saved, you know, and, and fighting that battle. But then the next one is there's really no hope, so don't try. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's the area where he kind of trips me up. And uh, sometimes I'll hesitate to share my faith with my family because I'm concerned about consequences. He'll tell me, oh, if you share they won't talk to you, or if you share, you know, they're going to think you're weird, which I am weird, so I don't mind doing that, but, you know, weird in a different way, <laughs> but that's that's a lie that he gets me with pretty frequently about sharing the word with my family. Amen, amen. I think if everybody's honest, that affects everybody that's right. when it comes to their family. And that's the point of this. This is why I wanted you to hear each other this morning. These are attacks that are common to all of us. There's nobody in this thing alone. Miss Crystal? I can't see. Is Ryan here this morning? He's not. Yeah. Now, would you pass on? The Lord just told me to give him that promise. I can do all things to Christ to strengthen me. And the Lord just gave me that, and I can see who's over there. <laughs> but would you pass that on to him and use yeah. it as his daily mantra. That's it. It's a weapon. Yeah. That's right. Someone is Crystal's friend. It won't work. That's, That's right. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. And if you can add Thomas Romero to that list. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Uh, I can't 
can't get out of my chair and go get to go to the kitchen without the dang devil trying to trip me up. Right. I think I pretty much know my life been up and down roller coaster, and uh, lots of times the devil just tells me that I got it all under control when I don't. Hmm. You know. Right. And uh, usually when I'm all the way in the corner, <laughs> and backed up, and like Tori, I found that the bottom of the barrel has a basement. Hmm. Uh, they have one down there. Uh, testimony of it is there is hope. That's right. Because even if he got me out of that corner. That's right. Oh, thank you. Amen. Amen. I say one good thing out of this. There's a woman that comes here every week in the church. Of she does a dog a job. She doesn't have a fact. She's a harder worker than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're already preaching. Anybody else? Does anybody feel encouraged this morning? Yeah. I do. I do. We need each other, Kirk. 
We need to say, hey, this thing has gotten me before. This thing's getting me right now. All right? I'll tell you, one, one of the main things that the devil has been beating me up with since the first time I spoke to your church board, I'm not good enough for y'all. Y'all deserve better than me. And there's some truth in that. A shred of it. That I'm nothing by myself. Amen. That's Amen. true. Yes. That's true. I can't boast in anything, but I can boast in Christ. Yes. And I don't have to be good enough. That's the truth. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. I don't have to be good enough. I just have to point to Jesus. He's good enough. If I can just get out of His way, we'll all be better off. Right? We all have these moments. Yes, ma'am. I am like a little child. When I, you know, like a little child, when they want something, they go to their daddy and ask. Now it's up to the daddy to say yes or no. But even if my daddy tells me no, I mean, he doesn't tell me no. It just don't happen. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I ask him for everything. Something as simple as wanting to put a watch band together. I said, Lord, I can do it. You have to help me. And without fail, 99.9% it works. Lord, where do I put my glasses? He doesn't. I mean, he doesn't tell me. He leaves me. And my life... My life is really like a dependent little child. Yeah. And I tell you, at work. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to be, right? At work for me. Yeah. It works for everybody. If they'll submit to it. About, I mean, yeah. If we'll submit to it, it works for all of us. That's right. That's you know the key. That's the key. You know and I tell him, I said, Lord, I don't have anybody else. I need you. Yeah. And That's he it. does. That's it. Is that I need to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I need to. Mm-hmm. I need to prove it out. Yeah. I'm the one that needs to do something about it. That's, that's, you know, that's kind of the one of my strong ones. Yeah. Know, is yeah. That I have to. But it's dependent on me it's, it's to me. solve the problem. It's, it's not, and it's just so contradictory to what you just said, you know? And that's kind of the lie, I guess, that I struggle with a lot. And Jesus, Jesus says. It says in John, Jesus says that I do nothing that the Father doesn't tell me to do. Think about that. Later he says, he says, everything I say, I heard from the Father first. That is what it is to walk in the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's that's what it is to be led by the Spirit. Everything you do, you heard from the Father first. Every word you say, you heard from the Father first. That's that is the life of Jesus that we're called to live. That's Philippians 2, right? Your, your attitude, your mindset should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who became obedient. That's the crux of that whole, that whole Christological hymn. Yeah, he was God, but he made himself nothing and learned obedience. Mm-hmm. I like that word, obedience. It's the key. It but you know what? What I ask God for is not money. 
close this up this morning. This wasn't hard or complicated. Didn't require any college education. Nope. I kind of like it. It wasn't uncomfortable. It was a little bit at first, right? You guys know this is really funny. The survey was done a few years ago of the things Americans are most afraid of. You know what's number one on the list? Public speaking. You know what's number two? Death. <laughs> That's the truth. People would rather die than have to speak in public. That is really silly. Okay? That's really silly. I'll say amen. Everybody in this room instantly just starts gabbing. Right? You haven't even gotten out of your seat yet. You're talking to somebody who's not even listening to you. But if I say, hey, let's talk to each other about what the Lord is trying to do in my life, all of a sudden the devil starts saying, you can't do that. It's awkward. Yeah. It's not. That's a lie. It's necessary. It's necessary, church. And if we can practice together, then it'll be easier out there. Because you know what people out there need? They need us to say, wait a minute, you're listening to a lie. Yeah. Let me tell you my God's truth. truth. They need you're identifying with something about yourself that is completely illegitimate. Let me tell you what my God thinks about you. They need this. We need this. Do you see each other? This is the church. And this is how we tear down strongholds. Yeah. Together. Amen. Just hurling the truth at the enemy until the walls come down. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. God, you are so good to us. You're so good to us. God, let's pray. Come and have your way. Come and have your way among this your people. We bless your mighty name. Amen. 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 Amen.